The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2016, and I am your host, Mike. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS American Gothic. Please welcome my co-host, Jess. Hey, everybody. Samantha Hoover. Hello, hello, hello. And Poppy Chulo. Couldn't we still hug his corpse? So let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 2, titled Jack in the Pulpit. It aired on June 29th, 2016. After tragedy strikes the Hawthorne family, Cam, Tessa, and Allison seek an explanation for the silver bells they found in the shed, while Garrett plans an explosive public announcement about a family secret. Also, the police investigation into the silver bells killer sends Brady on a very interesting quest for finding the DNA and a shocking new suspect emerges. So, what is everyone's initial reaction to this episode? I'm going to go ahead and start off with Poppy Chulo. I'm here for this. I loved it. I'm in it to win it. I'm fascinated by these characters. They all are so twisted and it's just hella entertaining for me. Like I am loving this show and I am happy to chat about it with all of you because I'm excited to hear what everyone had to say about it because that little boy, I know that's <laughs> Jess's favorite, but he's, he's fascinating. That's all that I could say. Like, the whole thing. Like, I'm just, like, find myself just looking at him and, like, seeing everything he does. Because, you know, he's doing shit in the background, too. And it's just, it's fantastic. Okay, okay. Mm, Samantha, what about you? What was your initial reaction to the episode? I loved seeing the developments. There was so much going on, and it shortened my list of the killers. Like, I have, like, maybe right? two now. The persona is kind of intensified, and I'm just really excited to see what all of you guys think. Jess, what about you? You know, this episode just solidified the notion that I picked the right summer podcast to jump in on. Because there's something so deliciously awkward about these characters and so creepy and haunting about this backstory that we've been given that I just... It all blends together into this perfect frappuccino of more i need more i'm addicted to it probably unhealthily at this point but i need more when i go to starbucks tomorrow i'm gonna be like i want a frappuccino of more of just more 
Okay, okay. I actually have to agree with pretty much everybody. This episode was good. This episode was great, actually. I think it definitely moved the pilot and it like now it's getting a little bit quicker now a lot of things are happening and now you're starting to see developments of people and their personalities are starting to have this unique identity that's attached to them like you're starting to see things about cam things about tessa allison garrett i think it and especially jack jesus christ you're starting to see things now from a bigger perspective and now Things are, I feel like things are now definitely starting to get interesting, especially how some people's uh, dialogue with each other really does set the tone of what we can expect for this particular show. So I'm definitely psyched. So before we get into a thorough recap, here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. Follow the station on social media. We are here on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. The Tumblr is the silverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. Help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns? Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio programs by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. And you can search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the entire summer. Before we start dissecting the episode itself, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into the ratings for it. The ratings actually were stated that American Gothic actually avoided the week two drop off that most series tend to suffer, especially the ones in the summer. So apparently it holds the steady at around 3.6 million total viewers with a 0.7 rating in the finals. So it looks like it's definitely caught a lot of people's attention as opposed to what we can expect. So so we're going to go ahead and just jump right into the episode. In the beginning of the episode, we noticed that cam is kind of like in a like an alcohol anonymous type thing kind of like a therapy type session we notice that he's there and he's speaking about him and what he's doing but he kind of doesn't feel he doesn't feel like he wants to be there it's kind of like i'm just here to to make it seem like i need the assistance but how did you guys feel the way that the episode started with cam being there did you like the way it started, or did you guys felt like it should have been a little bit different? What did you guys think? Jess, I'll start with you. I thought this whole first scene was wonderfully awkward. It's like right. when you're in, like, you know when you go to a summer camp, and the counselor sits you all down in a circle, and they're like, okay, everybody, it's icebreaker time. Let's oh, confess God. our deepest secrets. And you're like, I don't, I don't. No. And like everybody else is totally judging you, yeah. even though you know that they probably like have everything in common with you at yes. the same time. We know exactly so, like, what that feels like. Even though, like, you know, this is obviously some sort of addiction an anonymous group, it felt like Cam was getting a lot of silent side eyes from yeah. the people that were there. Like, they were just, like, judging him hardcore, being like, you fucked up, man. You fucked 
up. I realize that this is completely paranoid and unfounded, but that guy that came up to him, like the other that was awkward. Uh, addict that was asking him for his dealer's number, I was like, what the fuck is that, a cop? Like, are you there to shake him down and find out his dealer's identity? But then I was like, wait, no, like, there's probably some sort of a law against that. I don't know. I have never attended one of those groups. But my first thought was, holy shit, it's the police, run! <laughs> and I kind of, I was getting the impression of like how you mentioned like the side-eyed. I was kind of thinking of like uh, the meme with Loki where he's giving the side-eye to somebody like judging you face. That's literally what I was thinking <laughs> that entire yes. time. Like that that was like the perfect moment to insert that meme right there. And what about you, Poppy? I thought it was an interesting way to start it off, like focusing on Cam and... Um him and his realization that he has a problem whether it was just for show or whether he meant it i mean i guess that's the whole other thing especially with that man and i i kind of get what he's trying to do you know he's trying to help someone else who's in a who is in a similar predicament than that he has been in and so he's like okay you know you can't really have the dealer's number there. You know, if you're on diet, you can't have the like the pizza man's number on speed dial. So come on, delete it. And then I was like every single excuse out of the book. Uh, oh, no, my phone's dead. I'll do it later. He's like, nope, I got a charger here. So he's charging it. And, and then sort of that leads into like the rest of the episode. But it was an interesting way to start it off, especially since remember at uh, the end of the last episode he specifically said he was going to go to the hospital but then he ends up um, doing other stuff exactly and what about you Samantha how did you feel the way that this episode started I felt bad for Cam because I, I thought he was truly trying to overcome his addiction and then he kind of just lost it I was kind of expecting Madeline to start off because she killed her husband and she's getting pity and then we see Cam in this meeting, and I'm just like, oh, so he kind of relapsed. Awesome. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, like, good for you, buddy. Uh, the show is known for twists already, so who knows, right? Exactly. So moving on to the next scene, we see that the siblings are there, most notably Allison, Tessa, and Cam. And we notice that... Cam comes back into the picture and Tessa berates him and tells him, you know, you know, you could have been there with, you know, mom and you weren't there. You you didn't show up. And, you know, Cam apologizes and everything. And uh, there was an interesting little part in the scene where Allison notices that Tessa's not really all that sad. And she makes a point where she tells Cam that I understand you not necessarily you know crying or anything like that showing you know a lot of emotion but she questions tessa uh she questions her and asks you know why aren't you feeling you know sad or anything like that and she makes a point to say you know it's you know has to do with the silver bells so would you would you feel that it was kind of odd for tessa to not nestin for tessa to feel that way or do you think that it was a little bit rude of her to not show that remorse towards you know her own father in front of her siblings what about you poppy do you think it was kind of strange that she did that or do you think she had you know kind of every right to feel that way i get why they chose to have her 
experience that uh, storytelling wise. But like, if this was real life, like, like she should have been yeah, sad. Like you're right. Yeah, she should have been sad. I mean, her father just died the night before, so she should feel some sort of emotion towards it. But storytelling wise, I, I get why she wasn't feeling that way because obviously they needed to have that conversation like oh silver bells has bothered me what's going on we need to find out we need to ask her right now but she's in the tub crying looking at toothbrushes true true I'll, I'll give you that samantha how did you feel about tessa's reaction would you be on the same boat as pompey or do you or do you have a different take on it what she said kind of got to me she's like i can't have any emotions until i know about this killer and i'm just like okay but it was your father you know something or you if it was my dad i'd be like bawling which is funny because madeline is the one crying and she's the one that killed him so it's like the parallel of emotions there jess would you agree or do you have a different outlook on it i mean i can't say that tessa's reaction surprised me because everyone processes grief differently and you know it's it's a very different kind of display and smorgasbord of emotions for everybody especially when you're dealing with outside realizations like that like she may just be in shock I but I would expect her if she can't cry over the death to at least cry over the besmirching of the man that she thought was her father as you know potentially the silver bells killer however i did take note of the fact that her lack of emotion and her sister whose name i'm forgetting again my allison. goodness allison i i took note of the fact that like she tess was emotionless and allison was confronting her about it almost like a a pit bull and oh my it just it just honestly drove home to me that the living environment that this family has experienced probably together as a unit is so frigid and unhealthy and toxic. Like they probably take much more from each other than any of them is prepared to give. And so every interaction turns into some kind of a confrontation. And it's really, it's a really interesting dynamic to watch play out on screen because they're all still trying to take something from each other that each character either doesn't have anymore or does not want to give. Which makes you wonder, like, how, how did that happen? Because generally, like in family situations, if someone is asking for something, you give what you can. But these guys are all kind of in defense mode basically a group of starving angry dogs that's true yeah i i kind of felt that tessa's reaction was a little odd too in in i guess in a real life situation but because i feel like if it was my own father i kind of would feel you know distraught and you know sad and of course people deal with grief differently everybody is different and i i don't know i i, I want to it's pretty interesting to see tessa react that way you would think that because she's so because of the way her personality is as opposed to everyone else where you see her as more of the the nice the kinder you know more gentle of the group but yet she's already 
you know, having a, you know, tough skin and, you know, not letting it move her away from what she's trying to figure out. So moving that along, we noticed that the three that going on with the detective, which is Tessa's uh, husband, we notice that a new detective comes in as a character, which is Detective Cutter. Bitch. When <laughs> we notice that she comes into the scene and you kind of get this vibe about her as, you know, being a really tough exterior, kind of sassy, sarcastic, kind of that type of attitude. How did you guys feel her entrance into the episode? As far as that scene goes with Brady, did you guys like it? Do you think she's an interesting character or do you think she's just playing out just a bitch? Just biatch. playing out flat out. <laughs> Okay, so I get biatch from Poppy. What about Samantha? It was kind of abrupt, like, oh, this new person's here. And she's very hell-bent on, oh, we need to get DNA. And it just kind of, like, worries Brady, which I understand the urgency because he's supposed to be cremated. But she was a major, major jerk, in my opinion. And it's just like, I'm better than you, and you need to do what I say. And then, then like, I broke the glass ceiling, so now I get to rule over everybody. It's like, good for you, but also, like... Treat people with respect. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And My favorite. Imagine... Can I just say really quick? I yeah. loved that mic drop moment because she oh, was, was being cool. all, you know, like, oh, you don't know your shit. You know, you, this is all nepotism and all this kind of stuff. And so she was like, you, you hold the meeting. And he spit all that information down. And then he dropped the mic. And then he like did that, you know, that fake smile to her, like, <laughs> like I got you, lady. Yes. And didn't, didn't he mention, like, thank time. you for the warm welcome or something? Yes, he yes. did. That, <laughs> awesome. that was, like, the most classy way to say fuck off, you stupid bitch, I've ever heard. Oh, my. But, like, uh, like Sam said, I wasn't, or Samantha's, I wasn't really, you know, focused on her bitchiness until, because, like, we had all these other things going on. Um, and, you know, she just kind of seemed like she was pissed off because basically this little miscreant got this promotion that she doesn't think he deserved. Basically, she thinks like he sucked his way up into this promotion, like he didn't do any work. But then like as the episode went on and he's like, basically like, dude, like it's my father-in-law's funeral the fuck you expect me to do that's when i started to be like holy shit this lady needs a fucking vibrator like calm <laughs> your tits you need to calm down i understand that the investigation is time sensitive okay i get it but at least pretend to have some sympathy like you need to chill out Hashtag calm your tits. Basically, don't have a rack attack and then Hakuna Yutatas. <laughs> yeah. You know, that type of vibe. Yeah, I was kind of getting the same impression too. So I guess we'll see how much she plays into the show. I kind of felt like I wouldn't necessarily count her as a throwaway character. I kind of would just go with, eh, she's kind of like that sassy, sarcastic bitch that's kind of needed in a show. I guess, if you want to really, really go there. So, with that being said, when we move on a little bit further into the episode, we notice that the siblings uh, 
go outside and wanting to go ahead and find and discuss about the Silver Bells. They kind of discuss, you know, we really want to know what's going on. Let's go ahead and, you know, figure this out. So something interesting happens. We notice that Cam tries to find the Silver Bells where he's located at, and he notices that it's not there. The box itself is gone. It's not in the shit anymore. And he asks Allison and Tessa that it's not there. You know, Allison first accuses, well, didn't you leave it there? You know, what did you do with it? And Cam says, no, I didn't do anything with it. So then guess who decides to show up and tell them that it was moved? It was the mother. The mother tells them that it's been moved. When that happens, what was y'all's reaction? Did you feel that it was going to be the mother to move it? Or do you, or were you surprised that it was her? Or was it kind of already a given? It, it was, was gonna a be. given. It was a given. It was a given. Come on, she killed her husband because he wanted to tell the truth. She knows everything that we need to know. She is the matriarch. She knows everything. She sees everything. She needs to keep everything quiet. So I was not surprised at all. I just don't yeah. know where it went. I don't think they got rid of them. I feel like they're someplace in hiding or something. Like she had them oh, all okay. like collected and that they're someplace. And at some point someone's going to discover them because that's what happens on these types of shows. And it's going to be Garrett because she hates him. And that's what I think. Nope. That would be nice. That definitely would be nice. So the scene then moves on to them sitting in, I guess you could say like the dining area, however you want to, picture it and she then the mother pretty much explains that their father had dementia she decided to state that he had you know this crazy fascination you know of watching uh these shows relative about you know killers and stuff like that and that she states that well their father had an imagination you know with sometimes you know forget and stuff like that so she goes on and on and on explaining that this is what their father ended up in his final weeks days before his death before his you know untimely death so she's explaining this to her kids and tessa says you know oh my god you know i didn't realize and it looks like she believes it right offhand that wow you know that Oh, that it explains why he has the silver bells, that it's some sort of fascination that he had. She explains that, you know, I had to, uh, that it would look bad. That's why I had to get rid of it, because it would just appear and look really bad on the family. When she was explaining about the condition that their father had, did you guys immediately believe that's what she said? Or, like, was it believable assuming that you don't have any past information about her like if she were to sit down and tell you about her husband her late husband would you guys have believed it do you think it was a believable story or do you think no you would have you can see right through it regardless of the extra information that you had yes she was believable she but was because okay. but because we know the information i was like why are you lying Mm-mm-mm. i don't trust you lady see right through you Jess, what did you think? She just said too much. Like, concocting that whole cover story about him having, what did she say, early onset dementia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sundowners, right? Yes, like that, the movie The Visit, if anyone that, saw The Visit. Uh, 
never seen that one, but that's Oh, no, Jess, you, you can't see that one. I forbid you. No, 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 Why? no. It's scary. Oh. <laughs> scary. Okay. No, never mind. I'm staying far away from that. Goodbye. <laughs> but I... That was such a stupid story to go with because he's their dad. They're genetically linked to him. They are half of him. So honestly, his kids could have gone to his doctor or like, I assume they share the same family doctor and they could have been like, look, I know that dad had this. Am I at risk for it too? Is there some tests that you can do? And then the doctor would be like, where the fuck are you getting that from? Like, sorry, your dad was fit as a fiddle mentally. Don't worry about it. And they'd be like, what? Like, it was just a really bad cover story. And her cover stories just kept getting worse throughout the episode. Like, she's going to get caught. Like, her second one, when, you know, they spoke about um, doing the husband's autopsy because they thought that it was a faulty piece of equipment responsible for his death, that was a terrible lie. I'm not advocating that you lie to cover your ass when you've done something like committing murder. However, she could have said, as a grieving widow, you know what? I don't want this to be a bigger thing than it already is. I just want to get it over with. I cannot fathom this. I cannot fathom a life without my husband. I I don't care how he died. What's the point? He's dead. Like, that is the only thing that I care about. I don't give a shit about this hospital or what it needs or what it wants. Like, instead, she had to go ahead and say, yeah, I'll arrange for his body to be autopsied. When she's... Somebody's gonna catch her. She could have played up the grieving widow role and been like, you know what? I don't give a shit. Oh, okay. I don't think her love for Mitch was stronger than her need to keep the secrets, though. So I don't think she could have truthfully gone with that because if she was really grieving, she wouldn't have killed him. I'm just her love for, you know, keeping that secret. I, I still think like one of her kids is definitely in on it. So assuming that, you know, her maternal instinct led her to murder her husband I honestly believe that she could have acted and sold that bit well because it's either a choice between acting out the part of the inconsolable widow or having someone on her tail. And when you need to sell something like that, you absolutely can because it's a choice between getting caught or holding up this facade that you need everybody to believe in. And I really do think that Madeline was heartless enough to believe to sell it to herself strongly enough that she believes it and everybody else believes it. You will be so shocked at what people will let you get away with when you are a grieving spouse. Hmm. Okay, okay. And I have to talk about this scene because I thought it was hilarious. When the neighbor comes in and knocks and, you know, says, you know, is holding <laughs> the cat. I'm sorry, that scene was funny as all hell. And you just see... You just see Madeline just there, like, <sighs> really? And then, you know, letting her finish and says, you know, my husband, you know, you know my husband, you know, he's dead, died. So, yeah. So you could literally tell that she just wanted to tell her to just go fuck yourself. That's literally what her eyes and her face is saying. So, God, I had to throw that in there. That was just beyond 
hilarious as all hell. And I love right, Phyllis. Right. Is that the neighbor's name? Yes. yes that's, that's a perfect that's... name for her. I love it. She's a redhead. All Phyllis redheads are conniving yes. and protruding. So, do you know right. a lot? Uh, I watched this um, soap opera with my mom called Young and the Restless, and there's a redhead Phyllis, and she is a uh, conniving little so and so. So yeah, I know one. Did you just use so and so as an insult? You're my new favorite person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was, uh, that was great. So moving on just a little bit further, uh, actually, Jess had pointed it out where uh, Madeline receives a phone call from the hospital in regards to saying information about her husband about that there was some sort of misinformation that you know something was wrong that the, his vitals weren't consistent of what was reported so you can tell on her face that it looks like oh shit like an oh shit moment and you know she needs to go and confront this so we'll get to that in a little bit because Jess you brought up something really good about it too and we move along and we notice that Allison and Garrett are speaking to each other uh, not so much you know really good conversation with each other but Garrett uh, wants to say something at the funeral that he wants to not may I guess confess something and Allison is not having it she is just there wanting to know okay you know having this little confrontation with each other like not really what you would see normally from a brother and a sister point of view but it was more like a like an actual confrontation with each other and you you notice that their connection with each other is not that great the interaction with them too do you feel like it actually it made not necessarily sense but it actually moved the plot forward like do you think it was a really good confrontation like do you guys feel that it was believable like the way that they were arguing with each other samantha they um developed from the tension last week like they are honing oh in so on you that. think it was like a good uh, like a good development yeah oh yeah and um because I know Garrett has something to say and I think the funeral would have been a great place to say it um, and he was writing something down and they were just they really just wanted to know what the heck is he gonna say and how is this gonna screw us over like on a scale of 1 to 10 how much is this gonna ruin our lives and what do we need to do <laughs> and I think all of the kids know something because like Cam just seems kind of too on edge maybe because he's hiding a body somewhere um, oh my god. And then his kid turned out that way, so it's like, you know what, that's a little mini cam. And then Allison's just like, I need everything perfect, let's not talk about this anymore. Every time they mention it, and Tessa's just like, so adamant, you know, keeping it a secret, but also finding out about it. And then Garrett's just like, I'm back, and I have a vengeance, and I'm gonna take it out on whoever I need to at whatever point I need. Poppy, did you want to add something to it? No, I think Sam covered it all. It was a great development to what we saw last week, and I'm just curious to see exactly what happened to cause a rift between them because we've gotten like little teases and you know very like little itty bitty details as to like what could have happened so i'm curious to learn more about why they have this really tense terse dynamic i agree hopefully they'll put a little bit more development as to what happened in the past now going back to our other favorite detective, Detective Cutter, uh, tells Brady, gets the information about the workers that were there as opposed to who did all the stuff for the highway. 
and who was working there during the time. And she says, well, you know, we need DNA from Mitchell, from the father, the deceased father of the Hawthorns. And we notice Brady immediately saying, you know, what? what? He's, he's dead and you want me to get DNA from him? Like, why? Like, these aren't the people we should be focusing. And we notice Detective Cutter being, excuse my language, being a total bitch and saying, you know, you need to get it. You need to get the DNA. If you're not going to get it, then I'll get it. You know, the typical, you know, if you won't do it, I'll do it. And Brady says, you know what? I'll handle it. I'll go ahead and, you know, find it, do it, whatever, get the DNA that's needed. If you guys were in Brady's position, do you think you would have been able to? Or do you think you would have, I guess you could say, the courage to get the DNA? Do you think you would do it, assuming that you're with your partner, that it's involving you know, your spouse, you know, it's involving something that you love. And do you think it would be easier, easy for you guys to do that? Or do you think you guys would be conflicted? Kind of like how Brady somewhat showed his confliction about doing that particular thing that he needs to do. I think it's all about ethics. Like you're married to a daughter of this man who is up for murder investigation. Or if that was me, I'd be, you know, he, he did actively try to get the DNA and he was one step behind Madeline every time. She was just very good at cleaning, which is kind of suspicious. I think I would have maybe done what he done. It's, it's important though, like it's it's hard on both sides. Also, Tessa hasn't really been telling him much. Um, Tessa hasn't been able to or has been forbidden to tell Brady everything that she knows. Yeah, and he's also trying to prove himself on the job. As we saw, yes. they all feel like he was promoted because of nepotism, because of his family connection. So he's really trying to make a name for himself, you know, besides, you know, being attached to the Hawthorne family. So it, I, I would say it's difficult, but I think from what we saw in the episode, he's uh, definitely up for the challenge. It was just as uh, Sam mentioned, Madeline was uh, too fast for his ass. And not in the good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have so to agree. <laughs> Speaking of which, one of the scenes that we're going to discuss a little bit more is I would honestly argue you argue that it's a really important scene that happened in the episode, and it's a scene where Garrett is in his room, and we notice that. Uh, Jack and Cam are there and uh, Jack, uh, Cam just asked him a simple question as far as, you know, are you allergic to anything? You know, you know, I need to ask as far as for the food and for the catering. And <laughs> and Garrett just makes a little quip about, oh, well, you know, I, I, eat, I ate a lot of squirrels. So, you know, I prefer, you know, there won't be, you know, that many squirrels. And then we notice a little interaction between Garrett and Jack as opposed to how the decomposition of the their Garrett's and Cam's father is. We notice that little oddness, weirdness from Jack, and you can feel it. And something important that Garrett brings up is that, huh, you know, when Cam says, you know, don't encourage him, as, you know, him being odd and weird, Garrett makes Morbid. the point... Yeah, I guess we'll go with morbid. Garrett, Garrett makes a point to say, you know, you were like that. That mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He's, he mentions that he has the same type of tendencies as Jack does. So how did you guys, what did you guys think of that? That little interaction between Cam and Garrett. M-M-H-M-M, all caps. Mm-hmm. Ah, something, something a little odd between her, right? Oh, yeah, as the Kool-Aid man would say. That was interesting, because I was like, okay. So now I'm starting to get a little suspicious of you. If And, and the funny thing is, I think the reason why we have a character like Jack on the show, I know that we like to sort of make fun of Jack. We, we call him creepy. Um, maybe some of our fellow co-hosts might want to uh, cause... Shoot him in the back? Well, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say it a little bit more nicely. But shoot him in the back, because if you shoot him in the front, he has time to stab you with a stick or something. Well, there's that. The reason I think Jack exists is because he's about 10 years old. He's around-ish the age that some of the grown-up children would have been around the time that the Silver Bells killer was out there so i think the writers are trying to show us that maybe one of the children well they would have been children then but you know the the grown adult children back when they were grown adult children well you know what i'm saying the the grown-ups that were children at the time of the sbk maybe it was one of them whether it's them by themselves or them with an accomplice but it could have been one of the children and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that maybe the reason that these people are killed with the belt maybe they'll explain something that maybe someone who's either shorter in stature or maybe not as strong the reason why they use the belt is because it helps someone you know that that maybe isn't as big or tall or as strong or something like that maybe i don't know but I'm now suspicious because of Jack. Not not to Jack, but like I'm like looking at like all of these uh, Hawthorne uh, offsprings, and I'm like, okay, it could be one of you, but which one? And I feel like they're dropping like, oh, okay, you were just like him a little too soon. So that's why I'm thinking maybe it's not Cam. But I know we're not at predictions, but I'm just I'm teasing my prediction. Does anybody else want to add more to it? Samantha or Jess? I told you last week, Jack knows something way more than we're seeing, and he's way too comfortable with drawing dead bodies. And when Cam was leading him up the stairs, or whatever that was, he was Mm -hmm. pretending to be, like, strangled. And I'm like, what the heck is this kid doing? Like, are you high? Like, what was in your cereal this morning? (laughs) He's nine, so I, I do think Jack has seen or has helped someone do something because he a nine-year-old cannot be normally comfortable with talking about it so openly his okay. fingernails grow can i hug yeah, the corpse it's really odd. can i hug the corpse why is it sad to be dead no one says that who who says that i would hug jess's corpse stop you are not okay. helping the case at all no no <laughs> i'll bite your face off my new nickname for Jess is Caramel. 
going on a little bit further. I put your tail back, Jess. Don't worry. <laughs> Fuck put it right back you. where it needs to go. <laughs> we noticed this little interaction with Tessa, and I forgot his name. What is the? Is he a gardener? Would you call him a gardener? Gunther. 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 There we go. Gunther. He's I like him. No, he's creepy as fuck. That's why I like him. Like, oh, I feel okay. Like well, yeah, he, he is kind of creepy as all hell. Hey, Jack, that's mean. I, I feel like maybe he did it, but also I'm just like, Gunther, you need to write a tell-all and show up on Oprah. Yes, Maury. Because he kind of like fits the profile that the the officers had of him. Like, what if he just, like, simmers with rage for his boss? It reminds me of this terrible, like, Z movie that I watched where, like, all these rich people were targets for this murder. And it turned out that it was their psychiatrist who was upset because they were rich and they didn't have any real problems. And she was really mad and upset because they were rich. I'm going to watch <laughs> that movie right now. Should and will do. So we notice this little interaction that Tessa and Gunther have about uh, Tessa's father. That, you know, he apparently was an avid chess player. You know, he did all kinds of things. And Tessa's, you know, looking at pictures in order to put for, uh, for the funeral arrangements and everything. And she strikes up, you know, somewhat of a little conversation with Gunther. And, uh, you know, they're talking about him playing chess and, you know, how uh, he wouldn't let Tessa win, you know, little good, minute things about him. And Tessa asked a question in regards to him, you know, she didn't really flat out say it, but she kind of just gave the impression that she wanted to know if he noticed these type of episodes of, you know, dimension, things like that. And Gunther says, no, there's no way. There's no way he could have, you know, not be sharp because he would know he knew exactly how to play what was a move which is called the French defense uh, I me being an avid chess player I've played for many years uh, remembering the French defense is a little difficult uh, there's a lot of scenarios that you need to uh, be aware of and there's different variations of it that you would use uh, in order to counter counterplay your opponent and stuff like that so for me, right there, that really, really strike at odds with me because uh, me having a little bit of knowledge behind chess, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And, you know, mother is definitely being all kinds of bitch right now for saying that to her kids that her father had some sort of, you know, mental illness, albeit that it was dementia. And Tessa kind of realizes, okay, you know, that's a little odd that it doesn't make any sense that Gunther would mention that oh well he you know he definitely was still very sharp you know the fact that he could still do all these kinds of things especially in chess so Tessa gets this epiphany if you will if you will that oh, okay something's a little odd so which brings us to Madeline going to the hospital and talking about you know bringing maybe a potential autopsy for her father and the thing that she immediately does when she leaves is nope it needs to go to cremation very quickly burn that ass she's <laughs> gonna get caught and she 100% deserves it <laughs> she just flat out said nope it needs to go to cremation now like <laughs> like wow what a bitch you know who she reminded me of 
Who? Charlotte Pickles from the Rugrats. And Jessica's <gasps> mom? Oh, my God. She's such a bitch. She is. <laughs> I can Kinda see looks the connection. Like her too. Not yeah, I a little bit, yeah. Good grief. <laughs> and Charlotte Pickles. <laughs> like of all the like the picks to go as she goes with that, like wow, I never would have thought of that. Well it's better than Helga from Hey Arnold. <laughs> hey Helga, it's beautiful. Ew. No. <laughs> speaking <laughs> speaking of which, when we go on a little bit further. Uh, you guys mentioned that Madeline was, uh, you know, one step ahead of Brady, you know, mm-hmm. Brady going Brady. on, trying to get this DNA going to the place where to see if she, he can, you know, retrieve some sort of DNA. And he's just told, oh, nope, it, he was put in, you know, four or five minutes ago and he's there and funny, a little funny scene tune. And the receptionist is like, wait, was he dead? Is he dead? And then the Brady just looks at him like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that was great. Oopsie. Like, oh, whoops. No, he maybe really, really wasn't. I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying seeing Brady and Tessa sort of like keep the secret from each other. Right. But in real life, like, that's no way to have like healthy relationship. I'm sorry. I think it's a great way to have a relationship. Oh, my gosh. I think it's wonderful and classy. With a so, K. Right? Yes, with a K. So, see if I can try speeding this up a little bit more. We try, let's go ahead and talk about the funeral. S- little stuff happens there in the funeral, and one of the things that we notice is, you know, Allison is telling every, you know, greeting everybody as they come in. You know, thank you for coming. You know, please have a seat. You know, typical of you know a family mourning what they would do. And one of the things that we notice and we see is Tessa confronting her mother. How did you guys feel about that little confrontation with Tessa and Madeline? Like, lies, lies, and more lies. Her stories continue to get worse, like Jess was saying. Like, oh, his last chess game was, like, this many months ago. And it's like, okay, but dementia is, like, a slow (laughs) killer. And it won't come on fast, you know. It has a very long onset. Yeah, so, like, in Mm -hmm. a matter of a few months, maybe seven or six, from that last game to his death... He seemed pretty sharp until the very end. When Gunther said he was as sharp as a whip, it's like, oh, you know, your mother is really awful at lying and she is going to spill something very soon. Hmm. Jess, what do you think? She is going to get caught or she's going to slip up. I think Sam pretty much said everything that I could possibly say about that scenario. Charlotte Pickles is a dirty liar. Dirty, dirty liar. So before I move on a little bit more past into the scene, just a quick thing, because I'm kind of actually already interested in what you guys think. We know we notice all these lies that Madeline keeps spinning, and these are starting to become much more complex lies, and she keeps adding a lie with another lie and then another lie, one after another. Do you think she is going to get caught very, very soon? Or do you think it's going to span out a gigantic lie and then it's just going to explode on a particular episode? But also the quality of her lying, the how much crap she's putting in. You know what? She is so unsafe because there's so many witnesses. Now that we know Gunther exists, he's seen all of them. <laughs> he's seen all of them. It's like, no, no. Fine. No, no. Oh, Mitch, was, <laughs> Mitch was fine. 
people could like brush her off and say, okay, you know, my mother's in grief or this is what she's dealing with. Well, she's gonna run out of stories. So either way, she kind of deserves a bigger and better fall. Ooh. I hope so. Honestly, like characters like that always get my blood boiling because like, I'm like, I want you to get what you deserve and I want you to get it right now. And I really, really want Gunther to emerge as the hero of this story. And her he... secret lover. Not even. Ew, no, poor Gunther. He's... No, he's banging Phyllis. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Poor <laughs> Phyllis. Caramel just watches. <laughs> just, I just want, like, I feel like I would be justified and vindicated as a viewer if Gunther like rose out of the cesspool of negativity and toxic waste that is this family wrote a tell-all became rich bought an island and was like fuck you guys like I'm out of here because Spin clearly clearly off. yeah there is something wrong he's with gonna die before any of that happens yeah um, Maybe, maybe, maybe Jack will get him with a sharpened stick. Yes, <laughs> Jack will chop his tail off. Oh god, why? I just got a really bad image <laughs> when you said tail, because he doesn't really have one, but... Oh god. Oh dear. Okay, let's, let's not. Let's not. So, I... moving a little bit further, kind of want to talk about this scene just a little bit. We know, uh, we kind of see Garrett and Tessa have a little bit of moment, have a little moment with each other. Where uh, after Tess, after Tessa speaks to her mother, you know, looks like she's a little bit, you know, upset and whatnot. And uh, we notice Garrett takes her outside, you know, outside the little area. You know, I guess you can say into like the lobbyish area by the stairs. And we notice that they have a little conversation with each other. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, we kind of see Tessa going along, you know can't believe that this you know is you know happening you know my fa a father is gonna you know get is you know she you could tell she's really distraught but when you notice this little interaction with each other and you we already have this backstory that tessa and garrett already have this relationship with each other do you guys think that when tessa was speaking with garrett do you think like she was somewhat trying to manipulate him to make sure that he doesn't say anything inappropriate? Or do you think that it was truly, truly sincere of her character? Or was it potentially a little bit of both? Because she showcased that she has some sort of... That she does have the potential to show manipulation over Garrett because of their relationship with each other. So do you think the interaction was more sincere based on Tesla's part? Or do you think she played a little bit of a manipulation game to make sure that their father's image wasn't broken. I'll start with Poppy. I think it could be a little bit of both. Right? Because it was after, you know, everything that happened with her mom, and she was really emotional after that. So I think the emotions were real. Like, she was still raw at that moment. But, <laughs> she, but she also obviously knows that everybody's worried about what he's going to say. I mean, his sister literally had him pulled over by the police because she did not want him to show up at the funeral. 
So, which she plotted with her lesbian lover. But that's a whole nother story. That's um, a whole nother story. But, yeah, so I feel like she was trying to, like, soften him a little bit. Because, obviously, she has that great relationship with him. A relationship that he doesn't really seem to share with anybody else in the family. Right, as from what we can see. Exactly. Samantha, do you want to add anything to it? At first, I was like, yeah, she's very emotional. And I believe this because they had such a special relationship as children. She seems very pure and like wants the best for her family. But like, I, I don't know now. I'm just now that she knows more about the bells and she could tell her husband that, but she kind of can't. I guess I'm on the fence right now because I, I need to see more to like actually gauge that better. Not necessarily that you're not really convinced, but you kind of need more more interaction, more evidence to show, okay, what is the true meaning behind Tessa's conversation with Garrett? Like, are they really actually sincere? Is there some sort of hidden agenda behind it? No, yeah. I totally get it. Jess, was there anything you want to add? No, I just, I really... Like, part of me wants to believe that Tessa is good and exempt from all this messiness that is her family. You see, and I love her, so I totally get you. Like, I just, she seems the most adjusted out of the family. Like, out out of everybody that's in that crockpot of crappiness. I thought you said crap pop, (laughs) like crack, like pop. Oh, no. I would not want to eat what's inside the crock pot of uh, crack. Whatever Did I you say, said. crack pot. Oops, crock pot of crappiness. <laughs> she, she seems like that perfect little potato. That's just it's okay. It's, bo- <laughs> it's boiled perfectly, and she's fine. But who knows? On the inside. She could be rotten. Like, we don't know. <laughs> but I don't Right, it's only been two episodes. But, like, also, like, you have to remember, like, maybe she is manipulating him because she does seem like his blind spot, but maybe she's not doing it for the... Maybe she's doing it for the right reasons. Maybe she's not doing it, you know, because she's got some sort of an ulterior motive. Maybe she's doing it to protect her dad's legacy because as much as you know when someone passes on and you find out something horrible or unfavorable about them there's still a part of you that really really wants to hold on to the image that you had of them before you learned whatever it was that you know kind of blew your mind in the bad way like there's still a part of you that wants to believe that all that bad stuff it doesn't matter because that's not the person that you knew and loved so she could just be saying like please don't do this to my dad like or our dad please don't do this like he may have been a lot of things but he was your dad so she may be pressing on that bond a little bit but also like remember at the beginning of the episode she wasn't properly expressing grief according to Allison because she wanted to get to the bottom of it so either she is a really good actress or she is genuinely needing to figure out like what's going on with her dad what's going on with her family like what sorts of secrets do these people have in their closets 
good outtake. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. Speeding on through, we notice that uh, that they go ahead and I guess to give words or to say things about eulogy. I was they give words. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Eulogy that begins with Garrett, I believe, when he goes up and I don't know about you guys, but I felt like this pressure, like, oh crap, like what is he gonna say? Like, Shit's holy... about to hit the fan. Right, I my... got things to like, say, people. I was like, oh Jesus, like is he is he gonna do it? Like is he really gonna do it? Like is he gonna be I know that, stuff. That asshole. But he makes just a small eulogy about it. He talks about, you know, didn't get along with his father. And, you know, his father told him, you know, when you left, uh, when you leave, you know, you'll get back your happiness, your sadness, whatever you have will fade away or whatever as time goes on. And he just abruptly just ends it with, you know, he was wrong. Time wasn't in his favor. So he decided not to spill out his true intentions of what he wanted to say. And I guess for me, that kind of stunned me. I really honestly thought he was just going to go batshit crazy and just rock everybody's world. And then uh, we notice that Allison goes up right after him and she makes it a more sentimental eulogy. She talks about, you know, how she felt about him, you know, making it apparent that she's making this really nice sentimental thought. And we notice that during that time, we notice that Cam and his... I guess you could say X at this, you know, for right now. Sophie, go into the restroom and Cam tells her to follow her. And we notice that little connection, I guess, that they this have. Is so wrong. Right? That's exactly what I was thinking. It was so wrong. And he wants to <laughs> do drugs in the bathroom. And Sophie tells him, what are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is your, you're, you're, you're at the funeral. She's explaining to him that. You know, this is your dad's funeral. What are you doing here? And he says, Cam's response is, you know, it takes the edge off. You know, it's going to help. And overall, that little interaction, conversation that they have, how did you guys take it? Like, did you guys feel bad for Cam for doing that? Like, no. did you, Like, would you understand where he was coming from? Or do you think that was just completely wrong and... Like, really? Like, of all the times and places you pick, you pick this. Well, I understand where he's coming from, but I, I don't like it. I feel like I, I wish the character would make better, you know, make make good choices. Like, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's kind of disappointing, because I'm like, I don't want to see him go to a dark place, because I, we need to find out more information about him, damn it. Like, you know, you need to right? stay alive, because we need to know what the hell you know. Like, man, don't you dial me, please. I actually thought they were going to have sex. And I was like, I'm not in a church, mister. That's very rude. And your dad just died. It's funny because Jack got up to the pulpit. Like, I'm glad that kind of stopped it. Sophie was just like, you need to feel. And that, that really kind of struck me because I guess that's why Cam um, has been kind of like blunt faced through this all. Like, he just kind of didn't really think about his father's death as really grand thing like oh i can just do drugs to take the pain off mm, jess 
Thank you, Jack, for cock-blocking your parents. Right? <laughs> when he goes up to say his awkward and interesting eulogy. Honestly, okay, can we just talk about that for a minute? Sure. When yes. he gets up, what the shit? He is a, is a Nobody child. was watching him. I'm thinking why that's is, really odd. Literally, why isn't someone, like, grabbing him by the hand, sitting him down, being like, no, just really gently, no, you don't have to cause a scene. He's a kid. What are you doing? Whatever comes out of his twisted mouth is now your fault because you didn't actually put a stop to it. They literally all just watched, and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, someone stop this child he's still small enough to be tucked under someone's arm like a football and carried back to a pew because i it's just it it's odd because he's got four kids and this grandson speaks and i just i honestly i found it odd because it's not like the grandson had arranged to usually you know you have people that arrange to speak prior to like it's not just a free-for-all where you go up there and freelance you kind of have to have some, some sort of an order to the to the speeches and stuff like that for time reasons and like the reception whatever else but like holy god you all obviously know that something's wrong with jack i will never get tired of saying that i but, love my grandpa i wish i could see him decomposing right now Oh my god, he needs to... Oh, like, okay, I want him to be a cat, so I can spray him with, like, Caramel. one of those firefighter-grade hoses, just forever. Just never stop the water. And it he can so be waterlogged and, and terrified. Just loves animal cruelty. Like, no, just jack cruelty, because oh, okay. I, he will grow up to be a creepy serial killer. Like, I don't think that whatever is wrong with him is fixable. And I found it, I didn't even find it like commendable that Cam was saying like, oh, he'll grow out of it, it's just a phase. That's not the kind of phase that you have at that age or that anybody should have. Like, it's very clear that this is not on anyone's normal, like, childhood development model you need to like seriously evaluate your son because not only is he a danger to himself and and you he's a danger to everyone eventually like if he continues growing up with this mentality i mean yeah right now he's your precious baby face son but what if one day he grows up and kills someone else's son someone else's daughter like it's inherently selfish that cam has not for his own son's own good and for everyone else's greater good, gotten him the help he needs. Like if he really loved Jack, he would get him the help he deserves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know Madeline is batshit cuckoo, but even she was like, um, something's wrong with that boy. Right. Yeah. She, she mentions like, he that help. he needs. Yeah, and she also brings about that he, that Cam himself had issues. And Cam, and Cam kind of brushes it off and says, well, I was a teenager. And he's nine. So, you know, he can't, he's just a kid. But Madeline makes it apparent to say no. But I understand you, as a parent, don't want to, you don't want to know that there is a problem. That You kind of just want to brush it off that 
it's not really a big thing but Malin makes it a point to say you know he has issues now it kind of to me it gives me the idea that well Malin is saying that to Cam to make sure that Jack is in check so that way he doesn't provoke anything or say anything that might jeopardize her long hidden agenda that that was my take on it but again or it could be from a standpoint of a mother to this you know if, if she saw this person saw her grandchild as her own child from there but we also noticed one of the last few things one of the like the last scene where garrett is up on the stairs at the house where all the guests are at and he's just watching kind of being a little bit of a creeper but it's okay it's garrett it's fine and Madeline is right next to him and they're talking a little bit and there was a little line that I thought was really really cool Malin tells him uh, something along the lines of you know you're like a grenade ready to go off or something you know that he needs to leave and Garrett just simply replies that you then you need to be careful how you handle me I thought that was good I thought that was a great way dun, dun, dun. to end the episode I thought it was awesome that he simply just stated, you know, you need to watch watch out how you decide to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Watch so, back. Right? Like, damn, man. That was so good. It was. It really, really was. So Also, the, the big uh, the belt. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. that's right. We didn't talk about that real quick. We noticed Brady is kind of just fishing through the photos, I guess you can say. And he picks up one particular photo, and it's a picture of <clears throat> what I'm assuming is Mitchell, right? It was Mitchell and Cam. Mm-hmm. And we see the belt is on Cam. Uh-oh. And Brady are is going to have some thoughts behind this. So, when you guys saw the picture, what was your immediate thought about the belt? I think they planted it in the concrete. I so really... you think it was planted yeah. to make it look like it was him? Yeah, because what Cam was saying, like, oh, I was just a teenager. That could mean they were kids when they had Jack, but it could also mean I was a teenager when you planted this on me. How young was Cam in that picture? He's pretty young. Hey, it was like a teen. Yeah, he was a teenager. Yeah. And then I think Mitchell, you know, saying we need, we need to tell the truth. I think maybe it wasn't Madeline. Maybe they're blaming their kids because that's more unbecoming of children. Like, they didn't want it to be pinned on them. So, like, we'll just pin it on our children. It's fine. No one's going to figure this out. That might be a theory to pay attention to. Oh. Jess, what do you think? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I keep going over what we already know, and I'm just like, wow, I would really suck as a real-life detective. Like, I'd want to do it. Because, you know, badassery. But I would really suck as a real-life detective. <laughs> I would really suck. <laughs> I would really... I would be one of those cops that, like... Let's say you guys are, like, chasing down the villain. I accidentally hit him with my car and just stick my head out the window. And I'm like, ha <laughs> And that would be my only contribution to the Aww. investigation. <laughs> but I, I guess... Kind of going, uh, piggybacking off of uh, you, Samantha, you had mentioned about, you know, that theory that something in regards to, you know, Madeline not necessarily playing a huge vital role, but she, you know, obviously knows something. Kind of interesting, if I remember correctly, the picture itself, uh, when Brady turned the page over, it said 2002, and it said yes. Mitchell and Camp. 
So, and if I remember correctly, didn't they state that the belt supposedly was used on the first victim? Is that, didn't they say that? No, the final one. Was the final one? Yeah. Right? So, since it's 2002, so it kind of goes off with this idea, okay, did something happen with the final victim? Was something, was there something different with the final victim versus the other five? Or, no. If they're playing it in 2016, then 2002 was 14 years ago. So that does make sense. Right, especially for Garrett, too. Yes. Because Garrett left 14 years before that. He left in 2002, as Mm -hmm. it was mentioned in the previous episode. So, hmm. So who knows? And especially with Garrett and Cam's little interaction that they had previously, who knows? Mm -hmm. So keeping that in mind... If you guys had to rate the episode, remember, we're rating it based off of Silver Bells. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you guys give it? And I'm going to start off with Jess. Um, 6.8 Tinkling Silver Bells, and I will not change that rating this time. I know I did last week, but I'm going <laughs> to keep it at a fixed rating this time. Okay. Why? Because I really thought that it improved over the pilot, and I feel like it expanded on, you know, the family and and the stakes that they, like, all the things that they have to lose and all the things that they're trying to keep hidden. There are still some things that, you know, could stand to be improved and need to be worked on, but honestly, like, if this is an indication of their progress... I think that the episodes will just keep getting better and better until this mystery is finally solved. Oh, okay. Okay, I see where you're going. Poppy, if you had to rate it between 1 and 10 Silver Bells, what would you give it? Slightly higher than Jess. No offense <laughs> to Jess. I will give it 8 Silver Bells. I feel like I gave it 8 last time. I think it was a solid episode. I liked the progression so far. I, I I am really enjoying getting to know these characters a lot more. And uh, I do agree that from the previous episode, it is a little bit better. But, but still, I don't want to go a little bit higher. I, I want to stick with 8. I feel like 8 is a good uh, rating for this episode. So 8 silver bells. Ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding. Okay, 8. It's a good number. Samantha, what would you give it? I'm going to go with 8, too, because I think I did 7 last week, and this has definitely improved. It's definitely um, expanded into their lives a little more, and I think Madeline's, she stepped it up so much. You kind of saw what she could do, and then she did all of it. I don't know what's next for her, but she's very good at keeping the peace in a way so that no one really finds her. Yeah, I, I really like how this story is going, and I can't wait to see what the Hawthorne family has to deal with next week. I don't want to pull a Jess, but I am going to adjust. I'm going to give it an 8.25. You just want to be higher than me, don't you? Like, come on. Right? <laughs> no, but I, I did say yeah. that it was better, and, and I did I feel like I gave it an 8 last week, so it should be just a little bit better, so an 8.25. But I, I promise not to make this a habit. At least you gave it a higher rating. I think I took it down from like 7 to 5 last week. Yes. At least least you gave it a higher rating. Your five bells stand alone. 
And with that being said, if I had to give it a rating, I'd give it an 8.5. I think it was a solid episode. I really did enjoy the depth now that we're starting to see with Cam, especially with Jack. And I do like that it's bringing about different discussions about Tessa, about Garrett, about Madeline. And you see how well Madeline does her job of making sure that she's in control of everything and understanding where all the pieces are going and now you're starting to see things develop especially towards you know that little you know little cliffhanger like oh shit you notice the belt is on cam and the date on it says 2002 so now it incites theories that audience can bring about maybe potential theories that make sense or you know i really did enjoy this episode i feel like it definitely moved the plot forward so with that in mind i got to give it an 8.5 now one of our favorite things is we get to make a quick prediction who we think the silver bells killer is so with that being said i'm gonna go with samantha who do you think the silver bells killer is dun dun First of all, I want to stick to the rule of one per week now. Okay, we'll go ahead and stick with that. Okay, I still think it's Madeline. The way she just handles everything, I just really think Madeline is the key to this investigation because once she cracks or something falls out of place, then I think the case will break wide open and the family will be destroyed. So I definitely think it's Madeline still. Oh, okay. Jess... Who do you think is a Silver Bell's killer? I don't know. I'd be such a bad detective. Oh. I'm trying to stall. It's not working. Um, <laughs> I don't suppose I can electric chair this week, can I? Nope. <laughs> no. No, I cannot do that. I cannot. It's like, ah, oh, no. I can Oh. You know what would be a great twist? No. If it was Gunther. Ooh. And he's literally just sitting there laughing his fucking ass off at these incompetent snakes that he lives with being dickheads. And also, if he was the father of all four of the children, I would really enjoy that twist, too. Yeah, let's go with Gunther. I like Gunther. But I hope he's actually... So he's got to be the killer. I hope that he's not actually the murderer because I like him right now. And I just. And you want to make love to him. Well, maybe not. You know, he doesn't look very. um... Agile. Yes, thank you. That's a nice way of putting it. Gunther for me. Gunther. Okay, so we've got Madeline and Gunther. Okay, Poppy, who are you suspecting is the Silver Bell's killer? Okay, Madeline or Margaret, whatever your real name is. I, I still find her... <laughs> I, st- I find her suspicious as fuck. Like, uh, Virginia Madsen is killing it in this role because she plays suspicious lady to a T. Like, she's doing a great job. But I have a controversial choice. I think it's Tessa. Tessa, you are a danger girl. I think she Leave is... Leave her alone. I think she's, she's SBK. <laughs> I think she is SBK. I feel like she maybe helped Madeline or something, or maybe Madeline caught her, and then she's like, all right, bitch, let's go kill these suckers. Um, I don't know. But I feel like something happened where she has a traumatic experience 
Maybe she fell on concrete. Maybe that's why the, the belt is in the concrete. She fell down. She hit her head. And now she has some sort of like retrograde selective amnesia. So she can't really remember that she's the killer. But I feel like it's you, Tessa. Don't disappoint me. Okay. So we've got one for Tessa, one for Madeline, and one for Gunther. Had to choose. If I had to choose, uh, I don't want to choose. I really don't want to choose. Um, man, see, I love my homegirl Tessa. I like her as a character. For this episode, what I'm given, I'm gonna have to go with Tessa. The reason I go with Tessa, simply put, I think it was a little strange how she was able to promote herself to Garrett and showcase that you know it really did bother her that she doesn't want to remember her father in a different way and i don't know i just felt like it was a little suspicious that she didn't really make that big of a scene during the eulogy you know if she showcased that it did bother her in parts of the episode about her father having his image you know being tarnished and and there's not that much evidence to go with tessa so i'm more likely just pick i'm kind of just like picking her based upon the scene that stuck out with me about her, it kind of just really showcased that she's really good at manipulating too, especially manipulating Garrett to show, you know, to make sure that he doesn't make their father appear like a really bad person. So just for this episode, for what I'm given, which I'm more than sure I'm probably going to change my mind in the next episode, which I'm hoping because I love Tessa, I'm going to go with Tessa on this one. Yes. So we got two for Tessa, one for Madeline, and one for Gunther. Okay, so not too bad. Ironically, nobody picked Cam. So that's nah, red herring. Yeah, too much of a flash, red herring. Flash, flash, red herring. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. So with that being said, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Visit poppychuloradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to all of our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for the Silver Bells Murders and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chula Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. You can follow the show on Tumblr on thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. You can also help support Pompey Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash Radio. Email us via contact at pompeychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns. Are you interested in joining the Pompey Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talent at pompeychuloradio.com. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a happy good night. Good night, listeners. Silver Bell's killer, we're on to you. And to see you tomorrow, Phyllis, for brunch. Good night, Silver Bell's killer. We are definitely on to you, and you will be found out very soon. Good night, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of the Silver Bell's Murders. Good night. (laughs) 